Do you suffer from chronic hip, knee, or shoulder pain? Avoid drug dependency and surgery with Downtown's Healthcare in Denver. Downtown's Healthcare offers regenerative therapies that stimulate the body's self-healing process. Call Downtown's Healthcare at 303-292-9992, now in Lowry or downtown. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. And welcome in everybody to another episode of the High Low Sports Podcast. We continue our countdown to kickoff as we close in on the NFL season, making our predictions division by division as we go along. Today we are previewing the AFC and the NFC East. It is DJ joined as always by my co-host Kelsey. Kelsey, we've gone through the north with a lot of surprises there as well. We went through the South with a lot of interesting surprises. Now we're heading out, heading out to the East where, honestly, last year it was a tale of two teams, but I think this year we might have it maybe a little bit differently. It might, it might have a little bit of a change, so there might be a little more competitiveness to it. I think this is going to be a very interesting East for both AFC and NFC. I mean, you look at let's just look at the AFC first. You have a whole lot of moves happening there in the AFC East. I mean, you talk about the Patriots. Can the Patriots figure out whatever they have going on offense to kind of capitalize on what they did last year i mean they surprised everybody last year with brand new mac jones at quarterback and looked good can they continue that you got the jets they look good um obviously zach wilson's injury is a little concerning um but other than that they look good i mean yeah you got the bills obviously still there you have the dolphins making moves i mean you name it and and the afc east by itself looks fine but then the nfc east we never know what's going to happen with the nfc East. so we're going to talk about that today and kind of figure out what we think is going to happen with the nfc east but yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be very interesting to see what, what's gonna happen in the East this year this year. And guaranteed, at least one of these divisions will be a beast of a division, that is for sure. Absolutely. It should definitely be a lot to look forward to. So we're gonna go ahead and start things off with the NFC East. And of course, as we before we jump to that, I just want to give a nice little shout out to our good friends over at Dr. Squatch. Smell like a man, feel like a champion. Click click the link in our bio, go and grab yourself some nice spelling soap for you or that special someone in your life as well, too. So NFC East, Kelsey, we got you mentioned it. You never know what's going to happen. It seems like nobody ever repeats as back-to-back winners. The Cowboys did win it last year, but we do know how it's a rotating carousel with that division as well, too. So, do you want do you want to tear the bandaid off on this one? You want to you want to kind of let us let us down with the NFC East least? Is it going to be a beast? How how do we see this one? <sighs> yeah, you know what? I guess as a as the resident NFC East fan, I might as well just rip the bandaid off here um, and see what what happens. It's going to be ugly. All right, here we go. <laughs> Starting at the bottom, and I'm going to work my way up, as always, I'm going to go to Big Blue Nation, and that is the New York Football Giants. Uh, look, there's not a lot going on for you. I don't know how long uh, you're going to have Saquon healthy for. Daniel Jones, will he figure it out? Will he not figure it out? What is your highest paid receiving core going to do? Is there even a receiver in that receiving core that's worthwhile? We don't know yet. I, I still think Darius Slayton is a fantastic piece. If he could ever secure a catch um, is the biggest issue there, and Look, you may you, you let James Bradbury walk and go to a division rival. Obviously, you didn't let him go to the division rival, but you let him walk, and then he went to a division rival. <laughs> so uh, you made some mistakes there. Obviously, defensively, it's, it's going to be you, you still have a good defensive line. That's not a question, but you, I mean, you weakened your secondary even more. So 
I don't know how much I can trust them. But I have the Giants going 4-13, and 13, sitting at the bottom of the division, and 2-4 and four in the division. They do pull, obviously, one out against the Cowboys like they always do, and one out against the Eagles like they always do. It just never fails. Those seem to be the two games that the Giants somehow always play those two teams very well, whether their record is 1-12 at the time or 12-1. and one. It doesn't matter. So it's it's going to be tough for the Giants, but I do – I just – I'm not, I'm not a big believer in the Big Blue Nation. My question for you when it comes to the Giants, though, is they had a pretty good draft as well, too. Like, I think we kind of agreed afterwards when we did our recaps. They did a really good job in the draft as well, too. Do you think maybe that helps them maybe steal a few games this year? Or do you think this year it doesn't matter They're, that those those picks are going to be more beneficial down the line? But this year it does not matter. I think I think when you look at it, the, the draft is good. Uh, but how quickly can these guys adapt is going to be what determines how successful they are. I don't think outside of Kayvon Thibodeau, everybody else in this draft is going to adapt quick enough for them to win seven, eight games. But I do think they are going to – it's going to look good at the end of the season. Like these Giants are going to be competitive at the end of the season. I don't think this 4-13 and 13 is not going to be a washout 4-13 and 13, like you might expect at the end of the season. Like at the end of the season, they're going to be competitive. They might just miss out on a couple, couple games by three to six points. It's not going to be absolutely crazy. But it is going to be one of those situations where they're still – Still four and thirteen at the end of the season. Okay, all right. So it's uh, going to be a, some rough times on that side of the Big Apple as well. And we'll check in with the other half of the Big Apple coming up a little bit later as well too. So the Big Blue taking up the bottom of the division. Who do we have sitting at number three? Uh, so number three, yeah, I got to go with the uh, the Washington now named Commanders. Um, they are very very not commanding of their <laughs> offense right now. Uh, Carson Wentz. Looks bad. I mean, for all, all literally coming out of coming out of training camp is just he does not look good, and that continues the trend from last year with Indianapolis, where, well, he didn't look good in the season either. Uh, checking out of guaranteed run plays for a team that is run first uh, doesn't make sense. He's now in Washington, where it's a yeah, sure you have Antonio Gibson, but outside of that, there's not a whole lot of running game, so you don't really get in trouble as much checking out of run games, but at the same time, you have Terry McLaurin out there that you got to somehow figure out a way to get the ball to. And I don't know if he can figure it out without throwing a couple picks, especially not if he decides to throw them left-handed again. But um, I think the biggest thing for the commanders is going to be Carson Wentz's play. But that's why I have him down here uh, in third in the division, finishing six and 11. They're going to go one and five in the division, pull one out uh, and against the Eagles uh, is, is, the, is the only team they pull one out against. Um, but yeah, this is a, a situation where you look at it and and it's just not not favorable um, for for the Commanders. It just from from an offensive standpoint, their defense. I mean, it's still fantastic. Let's not get let's not kid ourselves. That defense is is scary, especially that front line. I don't want it as an as a former offensive lineman. If you told me I had to match up against any one of those guys on the front line, I'm okay. I don't want to. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm going to check out injured for that game because that is not a fun that is not a fun defense to go against. And uh, it doesn't matter whether it's the fifth guy in the defensive line. Or number one, that Chase Young. Like I don't want to block any of them because they're all terrible and they're all terrifying. Like they will run through you or run over you or just make you look like a fool with your hands sitting stale. Like it's, it will, it, yeah. It's if they're gonna win six games because of their defense, their offense might piece together a couple wins, uh, especially if they go to Brian Robinson and Brian Robinson actually pans out in the NFL. Um, I do think Brian Robinson's body could pan out, being like that inside the goal line type of touchdown guy, but. We'll have to wait and see as a rookie. He doesn't doesn't have a whole lot of trust yet in uh, in Riverboat Ron's offense. Okay, so you, so you think that the Carson Wentz experiment, the defense is going to we expect it to return a little bit to form after a rough last year. So you think bringing Carson Wentz keeps him 
basically equal to when they had Taylor Heineke is what you're saying. Like it's pretty much a lateral move with them. Maybe some more freak plays, but at the same time, as far as wins go, it's going to end up being a lateral move. Correct. Yeah. It's just, I mean, I think Carson does provide some offensive explosion, but the problem is he's just so wild with the ball. It's, it is, he is Brett Favre in Brett Favre's Vikings and Jets years. He is not Brett Favre in Brett Favre's Packers years. And not that almost MVP Brett Favre when he was a Viking, no. too. Like, the ones surrounding no, that. No, no the, the ones where he's throwing up the ball just because and getting bailed out by Sidney Rice. And that's that you know that's the one he's getting bailed out by. Or the ones where he's throwing a crazy amount of picks for the Jets, and they're like, well, maybe you should just go back into retirement, sir. Hmm. Um, yeah, it's not – Carson Wentz has to prove to me he can check down and consistently check it down before I will accept the fact that he can go back to his former – pre MV like almost MVP case. Like what if he can check go back to being being a check down king and then throwing it up when he's got got guys open, absolutely Carson Wentz could lead this team to a bit much better record. It could honestly flip and go eleven and six. But I don't see it happening. Uh, he's he is too many years now in a row where we've seen the same Carson Wentz in different in different places. And like I mean you've done it with a run first offense, you've done it with a pass first offense, you've done it with a balanced offense now. Uh, like this is his last chance really life's too short to check it down i guess as well too so that leaves two teams left here at the top of the nfc east who do you have taken that number two spot so number two by tiebreaker only i have the eagles finishing 10 and 7 jalen hurts and get this look you you add in who you added in aj brown and i don't think aj brown is the absolute solve all but i do think he takes a lot of pressure off Devontae smith and and Jalen Hurst gets to like throw to a big body receiver, not named Dallas Goddard. And now you actually have a guy who can get in the end zone other than Devontae Smith. So give me those odds. And I like that. I like, I like the running game as well. The running game does not look bad. Kenneth Gainwell might be a surprise for some people. Um, and he shouldn't be. He really shouldn't be because what he showed last year at the end of last year, he was a very effective running back. Let's not forget this team was number one overall running the ball. So that's not going to go anywhere. They're going to continue to run the ball well. That's that's not going anywhere. It's not it's not disappearing. But you add in weapons on the outside, and AJ Brown does feast off of teams sneaking and looking in the backfield. And then, oh by the way, I mentioned James Bradbury leaving the Giants earlier. Let's guess where he went? Philadelphia. So you improve your corner next to Darius Slay, who was having a fantastic season last year, is looking like the Slay of old, if you will, and. Pardon the the dumb pun, but they are ready to slay pretty much any receiving core that comes in there with that 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 defense. It's that defense is set and it's stacked. Those DBs are are ready to play, and I, there's there's very few holes in this team. I do think there are some chances to get to Jalen Hurts if they get if they get behind. So if it turns into a passing game, Jalen Hurts is going to have to be on his p's and q's in that offensive line, who is very good at going forward, is going to have to figure out a way with sitting on their heels. Pass blocking to protect Jalen Hurts is going to be very interesting, um, but I do think I, I do think at ten and seven the Eagles will finish second in the division. But again, like I said, only by tiebreaker to those dastardly Cowboys. Well, you know, you said it's by tiebreaker, so we know it's going to be razor close. Time you go right in. Cowboys finishing the top via tiebreakers. I mean, they took both of the games against the Eagles. Yep. I have it playing out. That is exactly right. Yeah, both of the games against the Eagles, um, and yeah, it's it's a tough one. It's uh, you know, it is it's just how it kind of panned out. Um, the, the Cowboys managed to pull it out both times. And it's just a situation where the, I think at the end of the day, what will end up happening is you'll get a couple big plays like Michael Gallup, CD lamb, 
those two, I mean, those two are explosive once they have the ball in their hands. Michael Gallup, explosive down the sideline. Everybody forgets Dak throws one of the prettiest deep balls outside the numbers that I think I've seen in the last 20 years, it feels like. There's very few guys that can drop it on. As, as, as much as I complain about Dak on a regular basis, very, very few quarterbacks that can drop a dime like he can along the sideline. It is, it is a fascinating thing to watch. And now, now in the middle of the field, ugly as hell. Like it is not pretty whatsoever, but somehow down those sidelines, he throws a very good ball and Michael Gallup is not afraid to go up and get it. And let's not forget. They added James Washington, who was another guy, even go back to his Oklahoma state days. The dude would just jump over people to catch the ball. He could still do that in the NFL. You add him as a third option. And especially if they go four wide Dalton Schultz on the inside, Dalton Schultz, again, by the way, coming off of a career year, 800 yards, eight touchdowns, nothing to scoff at for a tight end. He's just going to get better. And Blake Jarwin is healthy as a backup tight end who was when he was healthy, Dalton Schultz went off too. Uh, and then I think the biggest thing for this, these Cowboys is make Zeke your goal line back. Between the 20s, Tony Pollard it out. Inside the 20s, feed the Zeke. Do not get crazy. Don't get fancy. Don't try to run a read option with Zeke and Dak in the middle of the field. No. Just hand the ball off to Tony Pollard in the middle of the field. Now you get inside the red zone, give the ball to Zeke. That man is too big, too strong to be doing anything other than halfback dives or power. Like, I feel like at this point, maybe you could run him off a wham. But, like, at this point in time, there are very few options that Zeke is going to excel at other than running straight line very fast. And and nothing against Zeke. It's just, look, man. Your body's built different. Accept it. LeGarrette Blunt accepted it, and look what he did with his career. The man racked up a thousand yards, running straight up the middle multiple times, and racked up Super Bowl victories that way. Okay, so you, right, so you have the Cowboys and the Eagles battling it out, and the Cowboys surviving. I want to ask you too: You lose Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup's going to probably be a little slow coming back as well. Too, do you still see them being that explosive top five offense, or do you think it'll be a little slow and a little more methodical, maybe a little more? I don't want to say check it down-ish, but maybe just a little more laid back and controlling the clock a little bit. This is where I love this Kirk Cousins comparison that (laughs) the the quote-unquote Amari called that Kirk Cousins. I love it for this reason and this reason only. The best thing about Kirk Cousins is he doesn't do anything really stupid with the ball. And I look at Dak and he doesn't really do anything stupid with the ball. I mean, realistically, most of his picks have come off of tip picks or just like a throw where a receiver is supposed to make one cut and they make the opposite. And like that's that's where most of the mistakes have come. He's very rarely had some very egregious picks now after his rookie year and second year. Like that injury really like that time off with the injury really kind of allowed him to focus last year. I mean, look, there's a reason he racks up re- tons of fantasy yards in garbage time. He doesn't make more mistakes to compound the, the the mistakes already made. He makes he makes mistakes early and usually it's fumbling. It's not really necessarily turning like pick, throwing picks. So that's going to be a big thing is like if Dak can, you know, avoid the fumble issue, I think they're fine. Um, and I do think it's going to be a lot more methodical, especially with Tony Pollard, Zeke at first. Uh, but I do think once everybody gets healthy, you mentioned Michael Gallup getting back healthy. I also say James Washington as well when he gets back healthy. Um, that's going to be two two weapons out there on the outside that you're going to be absolutely watching feast. But with all that said, CeeDee Lamb, get the ball in his hands. It's like Deshaun Jackson again. I mean, the dude is just explosive with the ball in his hands. So. Who knows where he can go with that ball? That definitely, that's going to definitely be interesting to see as well, too. Mm-hmm. So, give us a quick recap how you have the NFC East playing out as well, too, and how you how we got there as well, too. 
Do you suffer from chronic hip, knee, or shoulder pain? Avoid drug dependency and surgery with Downtown's Healthcare in Denver. Downtown's Healthcare offers regenerative therapies that stimulate the body's self-healing process. Call Downtown's Healthcare at 303-292-9992, now in Lowry or downtown. Yeah, so I have the Giants finishing up at 4-13 and at the bottom of the division. The Washington now-named Commanders, 6-11 and at third in the division. Fortunately, Carson Wentz, just a little bit too much of an Achilles heel there. Uh, the Eagles tying the Cowboys at 10-7. and seven. However, they lose on the tiebreaker. So finishing second in the division at 10-7. and seven. So they're going to just miss out on that number one seed, uh, or number one position in the East. But they still, you know, have a chance at the playoffs here. And the Cowboys, 10-7, and seven, taking the top of the division just by tiebreaker, sweeping the Eagles. Again, we're going to see a lot more methodical Dak this season. So it'll be fun to see. Okay, that's very interesting. I look forward to it as well, too, because the NFC, if we've learned anything, it's probably wonky enough to come down to a tiebreaker like that as well, too. It might even come down to a literal tie the, the way it goes yeah. as well. It might come down to the tiebreaker with the commanders at this point in time. Who knows? You can only imagine it. It's one what's going to happen. So I'll go and jump right into what I have for the NFC East. And in a very similar fashion to you, I have the Giants bringing up the seller. The difference is I have them going 2-15. and 15. And not only that, I have them securing the number one overall pick as well, too. I think it's going to be a very, very rough year. They ended up tied with Atlanta, and they ended up getting the tiebreaker, I guess, in their favor since they got pick number one, since they were both 2-15. and So I think it's going to be a rough year for the Giants. I think the Daniel Jones experiment, we're going to really find out what they think of him and if he can stay healthy. He has been banged up a little bit as well, too. So we'll see what they have there. I think offensively, that receiver room you mentioned, the highest paid in the league, Kenny Galladay, unfortunately, as much as I like me some Kenny Galladay, he has been a bust with the Giants due to injury and production. Wondell Robinson, nice rookie. We'll see what he can do. Kadarius Toney was a nice pick last year. We'll see if it was worth it at that point. Like Darius Slayton, you mentioned, got to just bring in the ball. Saquon Barkley, you got to keep him healthy. Offensive line, I like bringing in Evan Neal, but there's still some work to do. Like Thomas, the left tag from Georgia a couple years ago, is coming along nicely, but I think it's almost like they're going to be extremely bad this year. Then they're going to pop up next year, depending on what they do, whether it's quarterback-wise or whatever it is. So I think this is going to be just a just a rough year for the Giants. You mentioned you bring in Kayvon Thibodeau. Hooray, you lose James Bradbury. Great. So you get to the quarterback a little faster, but people get open a little bit faster. You're kind of – and that's even if Kayvon does fire out of the gate running. So exactly. I, there's just – there's a lot of questions with the Giants, and I just – they don't have necessarily the easiest schedule. It's not a hard schedule by any means, but – I think the winnable games for them, unfortunately, they're going to be the ones that catch the tail end of it. Like when they play teams like a Jacksonville or something like that as well, too, they'll end up losing the, the, that sort of thing. So give me a rough season for the Giants at 2-15, and 15, but look forward to them to bounce back really really nicely next year. But this year, I'm sorry, Big Blue, it's going to be big sad. Yeah, no, I see what you're saying there. Um, now, I do want to say, because you mentioned Evan Neal and you mentioned Thomas on the opposite side. Do you think those two can pair as a long-term bookend? Um, for them or do you think it's going to be uh do you think it's going to be a situation where one of them is going to have to eventually go kind of like what we saw with ronnie stanley and um baby zeus in uh in 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 baltimore i don't think so unless it ends up in a situation like one gets hurt and the other one slides the left tackle fills in does a great job and then it's like okay well i won't get paid left tackle money then maybe something like that as well we'll see but I, I think of it as it could potentially this is a big look potentially this is a, they have a significantly long ways to go for this Maybe a turn on Armstead Ryan Ramchek sort of situation as well. So like a great value version of that because those are two incredible Pro Bowl level players. They got a ways to go to get there, but that's kind of the duo I could see them becoming is just making sure. Tom, the weird thing is I think Thomas will be better as a right tackle 
And I think Evan Neal is a right tackle would be absolutely incredible, but I think he'll be a really good left tackle. So I think they're both interchangeable, but I think that's their best spots. And I think Evan Neal, they might start him at right tackle this year. We'll have to see how they do that. But I think they'll find their spot if they can get like a center and a little interior presence and whoever's playing quarterback down the line. They'll be okay down the line. It's just this year, everyone's going everyone's gonna to not eat, I guess, if that makes sense. Like everyone's going to starve this year a little bit. Brian Dabble's going to basically be like, all right, after two weeks, he'll be like, all right. This season's a wash. I'm rebuilding this whole thing in my image as soon as we get get the chance to. Yeah, he just, except for he gets the, the positive nature of having Saquon as his running back to start with instead of what he did in Baltimore or in Buffalo, whereas there's, what, nothing <laughs> to start uh, with? Yeah. The question is, can Saquon Barkley get loose? And I do think he'll have a little bit of a bounce back season. I don't think he'll look like rookie Saquon who had like 2,100 all-purpose yards, but I think he'll he'll be able to get you like – He'll be healthy enough to get you like a 13. So if you draft him like late first round or late second round fantasy, I think he'll be viable. He, I don't think he's got to go somewhere else to regain that Saquon four man stay healthy, but it, it's not going to be enough for them. So that's who I have oh, pulling up the rear. At number three, just like you, I have the Kami Commanders out of Washington taking up the third spot, but I have them sitting at eight and nine. So a little bit better than what you have, but not by much. I think the Carson Wentz experiment is going to be. Kind of like we said, kind of like we saw in Indianapolis, there'll be some games where he's going to win them just from his pure screw it, I'm going to throw it out there somewhere. And the problem is he's going to lose you some games with that as well, too, because he's going to refuse to check it down for a first down or something ridiculous like that. I think the defense is going to return to form, as we mentioned earlier, Chase Young coming back at some point earlier in the season, hopefully. Jonathan Allen and De'Ron Payne, even when they're not fighting each other, when they're fighting each other on the sideline or fighting offensive lines, they do a great job plugging the middle. Montez Sweat on the outside. Jamin Davis at linebacker. They they have a really pretty they have a good secondary. And I'm I'm a big fan of Jahan Dotson, their first round pick at receiver. I think that was a fantastic pick. And as long as Carson can get off of Terry McLaurin instead of staring at him the entire time, I think Jahan Dotson will be able to make a lot of plays like running up the seams, that sort of thing. And if Curtis Samuel stays healthy too. So they really have everything besides maybe they could use a little more fortifying on the offensive line, losing Brandon Scarif, for example. They could use a little bit of work on the O line. And can Carson just Make the smart play. That's the base. He doesn't have to make the play. He just needs to make a smart, the smart plays. If, if he loses you a game because he can't make because he can't make that play, but it, he'll win you two to three others from not make from not making the dumb play and making the smart play. So, I think he's going to somehow split the difference and they're going to go eight and nine. Defense, they're going to look really good in a lot of games, but they're just going to fall just a little bit short in a few others. Kind of weirdly, it's going to look a lot like the Colts did last year, honestly, as well too. Just. A little more explosive offensively to the receivers, not a Jonathan Taylor MVP caliber season, but I think the overall results can be weirdly similar. Okay. So I like that I like that you mentioned Jahan Dotson. He's a very underrated, in my opinion, receiver in this draft. You obviously can make a great impact for a team where outside of Terry McLaurin, you're throwing to who? <laughs> so, you know, it's it's not it's not definitely an aspect that you can look at there. Um, I'm, I'm interested to see what happens with with Carson. Do you think you could? Do you think we're ever going to see a re- return of Carson, or even in a little bit of a return? Like even if it's like momentary for like a six week stretch. Honestly, I think we have seen. I think that was the same Carson we saw. The difference is everyone kind of figured it out because even back when even back when his MVP caliber season, he wasn't really checking it down. He was just more at, he was at his athletic peak as far as getting away from people and running around stuff and getting away from these things. And the way the schemes were set up. I, the guys were open a little bit faster, so he's able to get the ball out. There wasn't as many dialed up deep. I think the dialed up deep shots were a little bit different. So I don't. I think it's the same Carson. It's just not sustainable long term, if that makes sense as well. Too, and I think that's kind of what we're seeing. So I don't think we'll ever. He still doesn't technically throw a lot of picks, like we saw the last few seasons. It's always minus twenty twenty. It's always like seven eight picks, not 
It's the untimely manner in which those picks come and the fumbling as well, too. For a guy with baseball mitts for hands, that ball falls out of his hands entirely too often, partially because he's holding the ball too long. So I just his inability to run away is, I think, what's kind of caused him to fall off. He was really so so much of his game, I felt like, was banked on his ability to escape. And unfortunately, now his escape is not due with his legs. It's just due to him being freakishly strong, if that makes sense. So, like. He can bend Roethlisberger his way through a few sacks, but he can't run away from sacks like he used to and break break away to find those big plays. So yes and no, if that makes sense. We're going to see the same player just without the same results, I guess. No, that makes sense. That makes uh, that makes complete sense. I mean, that's kind of the evolution of a player, right? They, mm-hmm. they lose a couple steps, especially after major knee surgeries. Mm-hmm. So that's obviously – that was always always a big question with Carson. Was it just his athleticism that led him there, or was it was it more? And now we're kind of learning. Like, uh, yeah, so the athleticism made him an X factor. Without it, he's just a starting caliber quarterback. It's like if Michael Jordan never developed a, developed a fadeaway, how effective would he have been during that back part of his career if he couldn't shoot that mid-range shot? Still would have been really good, but... That think is he, a conversation for another day with Michael Jordan. <laughs> obviously, he still was... He, I'm just saying, if he never developed that fadeaway as he lost some of the athleticism, you never know. Carson never... Once he wasn't able to run away from people, he never really developed... The ability to speed read and get the ball out of his hands or anything like that. Obviously not putting the two in the same conversation. So Bulls fans, don't send don't send your cavalry after me. I was simply make drawing an illusion there's somebody who changed their game as they got older. That was all we're getting at. Keep, all right, Bulls fans, just stay calm. Don't come calm after down. me. <laughs> I, I don't right, so need I don't need bricks flying through the window or anything. No, that's fair. All right, so you got your top your bottom two in the in the east. So let's see what these top two look like. You how do you have them fanning out? So at number two, I have a team that has the same record as the Commanders. They just had the tiebreaker as well. I have the Cowboys sitting at eight and nine, getting the tiebreaker over Washington. And I think part of it's going to be, I think Amari Cooper was even you know statistically, and he wasn't always the biggest impact all all the time, minus a few Eagles games here and there. And I know there was a few, t- there was some games where he just disappeared. Like I remember the Patriots game where Stephon Gilmore basically eliminated him from being on the field the entire time. But I think just his presence alone made things so much easier for everybody, including Dak, including CD, including Zeke. His presence alone and his nonchalant, very laid back demeanor, his ability to just get open, opened a lot of things up. CD Lamb is at number one. He's explosive. You get the ball in his hands, and he might be one of the top five receivers with the ball in his hands. Like it's very what Prime Antonio Brown looked like with the ball in his hands. CD Lamb can emulate a lot of that. Getting the ball in his hands, that's a diff- he makes great catches as well, too. Not a knock on his hands. It's just. What's he going to do when that's Jalen Ramsey or Darius Slay or those guys guarding him now as opposed to when they're guarding Amari? What happens when the safety rolls over the top of him? And then that leaves you with, on the other side, even if CeeDee Lamb is as good as advertised, which I think he will be, you have Jalen Tolbert on the other side, who, pretty good, but we have to see it. Michael Gallo coming off a major knee injury. We've seen him as a third receiver. We've never seen him as a number two. We'll have to wait and see. Dalton Schultz, was it a blip on the radar? I mean, he wasn't even supposed to play last year, but Blake Jarwin getting injured opened that for him. And you mentioned, too, Zeke. The best days are clearly gone. Will they continue to ride the Zeke train and then just spell Tony Pollard, or will they start with Tony? Like that running back dynamic thing is something to keep an eye on as well. Because you're giving Zeke the rant, all the money. You gave him the Brinks truck. Do you just put that Brinks truck on the bench at this point? Like, do you tu- do you turn him like we kind of mentioned? Do you turn him into Brandon Jacobs? Basically, that's so I'm curious to see how that dynamic plays out. Hey, if he gets 11 touchdowns this season, I mean that's a that that pays back that Brinks truck real quick. <laughs> 11, 11 touchdowns on 100 carries throughout the season at that point as well. So just short yard, goal line and short yardage, make it work that way. Efficiency, just all exactly. about the efficiency. And then on top of that, the offensive line is 
deteriorating. Zach Martin is still awesome, but the injury is starting to catch up with him. He's still awesome. If he stays healthy. Tyron Smith is the same thing. If he can stay healthy, he's great, but he's the injuries and the penalties are catching up to him as well. And then they drafted Smith as well too. led the nation in penalties for a team that already leads the NFL in penalties. And Mike McCarthy, whose teams always, not always teams, but they had 17 penalties in that first preseason game. It looks like it's going to be a really, really rough season. If that's going to continue. I, if nothing else, I see that I see them shooting themselves in the foot the way it goes. And defensively, you had an outstanding defense of taking the ball away last year. And then you lost pieces like Randy Gregory and some of those others, and you didn't really replace them. So I'm curious. And Trayvon Diggs is probably not going to get you 11 picks again. Micah Parsons is, a, is probably not going to get you 14 sacks unless he's converted to a full-time pass rusher that, to replace Randy Gregory. So there's just a, they they feels like they got worse. And on top of that, how you mentioned the NFC East is so darn fluky. It's hard for me to put them back up. I feel like that's going to cost them just the combination of tradition and then losing everything without replacing it. And the fact that in the one preseason game we saw, their biggest Achilles heel is themselves, and it seems to have gotten worse somehow. Like, I know it's preseason week one. We joked after that draft pick about them leading the league in penalties. You match that tenfold in one preseason game. I don't. Even, that's enough for an entire preseason. So I I just have way too many questions that have been going much higher than eight and nine. If everything clicks, kind of like what you were talking about with them, 11 and six is well within the realm of possibility, 10 and seven. But there are some things I'm going to have to see before I'm willing to give them that double digit mark. Oh, that is a fair assessment if I've ever seen one, because that is a worry. As a Cowboys fan, I will 100% agree and say, I don't like the offensive line right now because of the 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 picks. Look, and you also lost Lyle Collins. Uh, in the offseason. That's, That's the one huge, I couldn't think of. Thank you, yeah. That is a huge, huge loss there. I mean, and he obviously goes to a very comfortable situation in Cincinnati <laughs> now where he gets to be a bodyguard for Joe Burrow, and he's like, I'm excited about it. <laughs> and that's that's the problem, too, is that's a man that was not excited about doing his job. What does that tell you? It tells you there's dysfunction in that team. It tells you that there's a lot being asked of these offensive linemen, and maybe there's a coaching staff situation that maybe isn't totally meshing well. well I don't know, Mike McCarthy potentially. Uh, yeah, I, I, there's a lot of questions I have about this Cowboys team, and I'm glad you made you, you gave him an eight and nine record because, like, I'm a little bit of a homer at the end of the day, so I can't deny that that's part of it. Hmm. But at the end of the day, I want somebody to be like it, I, a fair assessment of the Cowboys is needed because the Cowboys are they can go one way or the other. Like, I, I feel like that's the situation with them. Like, if everything clicks, it goes it goes positively. If it doesn't, eight and nine might be the best situation <laughs> they could possibly come up with if it doesn't go well. Absolutely. I'm, and I'm really curious to see if Trayvon Diggs like kind of develops that next part in this game where he won't get you the same amount of picks, but maybe he just improves on the actual coverage skills, if that makes sense, getting more pass breakups and just not getting targeted as much. Because we saw it last year. We, you talked about it every single week on the podcast. The 11 picks is great, but you gave up more than 1,000 yards in one-on-one coverage. And the only receiver you really kind of put in hell was Terry McLaurin. And that was that's because you could push him around. Cold. That was the only reason you could push him around. And there was no quarterback that could throw the ball over twenty yards to him. Exactly. So I think. So I'm curious if he can get a little more of that Darius Slay type of thing in him as well, too. Kind of like, or even Ramsey, those kind of guys who have going to have fewer picks, but they can stick with them. They don't get targeted for a reason. They don't get the as many opportunities for picks. If that makes sense. So that is one thing I'm really curious if he can do that. You don't have to live with chronic pain. Downtown's Health can show you a better way. Joint pain, back pain, pain that sits and waits. Downtown's Health offers an alternative with physical and regenerative therapy. Call Downtown's Healthcare at 303-292-9992. Now in Lowry or downtown. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Maybe they get to nine and eight as well, too, because I think that'll help bolster their defense. But that pass rush is not going to be quite the same without Randy Gregory and squad. I got to ask you this because you mentioned you just mentioned Trayvon Diggs, and it's been the big Achilles heel so far coming out of video of camp of him getting burned by fifth string, sixth string, undrafted free agents. Uh, I, I, do you think he's going to be one of the most targeted corners in the league this year because of the stuff that's coming out and because of he gave up so many yards last year? Do you think it was do you think they're going to still target him instead of a- 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 Anthony Brown? I will also mention that CD Lamb was among those who torched him, so that one's a little. That one is a little bit. That one's fair. That one's fair. That one's fine. I'm like okay that with CD Lamb. So it's not just the undrafted rookie. He's also getting drafted right. by their. He's also getting torched by their number one. So everybody gets a chance to torch him. But I don't think he'll be quite as targeted just because of that pick factor. But so I don't think he'll be quite as targeted as much last year. But I still think they're not going to avoid him if that makes sense. Like they're not scared of him. They're just cognizant. Like, all right, don't throw it high where it could get tipped in his vicinity or don't underthrow it because his ball skills are still fantastic. He's a receiver, really, that's playing defensive back. If they move him to safety, I think he's going to be an incredible, just let him play center field safety. If the Cowboys ever get the ability to do that, I think he'll be even. I think that is where we'll look at him like, oh, snap, that's a perennial pro bowler. And if you want to blitz, you can match him on tight ends because he still does have relatively good corner. He's pretty good as a corner, but if you put him in safety, his man-to-man cover skills as a safety would be incredible, kind of like what the Patriots did with Devin McCourty. That's yeah, where I think his best future is. on a tight end, too. Exactly. Like, but I think he won't be targeted as much, so I don't think he'll give up 1,000 yards, but he's not going to get the 11 picks. I think he's still going to target it. They're just going to be a little more cognizant, if that makes sense. No, that's fair. All right, so that's that's your number two. We had, we had, you know, so what's your, your Eagles? The Eagles look like they're finishing number one. Is that right? Eagles will be finishing number one at 11 and six. I have them having a pretty solid season. I, this is going to be very counterintuitive if I go about this as well, too. They're the fourth seed. They go four and two in the division. They honestly do what the Cowboys tended to did last year and the Eagles did. But like whatever, whoever wins this division, it seems like they beat the heck out of this, out of the NFC East. And then they kind of, they're okay with everybody else. And I think the Eagles are going to beat up the NFC East. They go four and two, which is pretty good. It's nothing outstanding. But I think that defense down the stretch is going to come together with N'Kobe Dean, Jordan Davis with Fletcher Cox, Dip Barnett. you got so many players across the board. You already mentioned Bradbury and Slay. Like Their defense, I think, is going to be fast. It's going to be physical. It's going to come together really strong down the stretch. Offensively, you mentioned I like A.J. Brown. I don't love him in this situation. I think this was, one of, it was a rough situation. Jalen Hurts, there's a lot we still have to see from him. When you compare him statistically, he's honestly a slightly more effective Tim Tebow, was what the stats say. Obviously, we I hold him in higher standard than that. He throws a little bit better than that, but he's got to find a way to, through the air, keep the offense moving, not be dependent on his legs and whoever else they line at running back and just getting behind that mauling offensive line. I do think part of this will be Devontae Smith, I think, is going to break out this year. Seeing Jalen Waddle with his 100-plus catches and Jamar Chase with his Jamar Chase-isms, I think this is Devontae Smith's like, oh, yeah, he almost have forgot I was a Heisman Trophy winner before this. Like, you guys must have forgot I had 22 touchdowns in that college season. I think he's going to burst. I think he's going to have his little bit of a breakout. And with A.J. Brown opposite of him and Quez Watkins speed on the out next to him as well, we're going to see Devontae Smith just cook people. They leave him one-on-one. I think he's going to have a nice little breakout. 
they're still offensively limited, but I think him breaking out their ability to run the heck out of the ball and what that defense is going to turn turn into, especially on the back half of the season. Give me the Eagles at an eleven and six and making making the playoffs as a division winner. I do have them finishing as the fourth seed as well, too. So they do win the division, they do get, but it's not like they're going for the number one seed or anything like that. No, I respect that though. That's a that's a I, I, I do like the receiving quarter in Philly right now, especially um, uh, with the way it's set up. It allows, I, I think it allows Devontae Smith to do what he does best, which is just get open. The dude, one of the smoothest in and out of breaks, I think, that's come out of college, I think, recently. I, I don't know, maybe correct me if I'm wrong, but as far as a top pick going recently, I can't think of one that's as deadly getting in and out of cuts. That's not a small slot receiver, you know? And he's gotten thick now too. He's gotten he's not quite as skinny. He's actually gotten a little bit thicker now as well too with that NFL diet and supplement plan. He's been able to put on a little bit of weight too, which I think is going to be even more dangerous. And for those who we could kind of say coming out of the draft, you and I had Devontae Smith as receiver two in that draft as well too. We still had him pretty high. Most people had him two or three. This draft was had so many deep receivers, but Devontae Smith will be at the top of this one as well too. We look at all the receivers in this one. He would still be number receiver number one. It took literally Jamar Chase was the only thing that could literally keep him from being receiver one for like the last four draft classes, really. He, I think people just kind of forget. And that giant elbow brace weighed more than he did that he was wearing last year, and he's still able to cook. So I'm really – Devonta Smith is – I think him and the Eagles are going to have a nice little bit of a breakout this year. So I'll go and do my quick recap of the NFC East. We have the Eagles at the top sitting 11-6. and six. Cowboys at number two spot at 8-9. and nine. The Commanders losing that tiebreaker also at 8-9, finishing third. And a rough season for the Big Blue Giants. They're sitting in the four spot at 2-15 and and securing the number one overall pick in the draft. So a rough season for the Giants to, to come. Ooh, that's going to be tough. It's a tough <laughs> bill to swallow for Giants fans down there. They'll be okay number when they end up overall. with a Bryce Young or a CJ Stroud. They'll be okay. That's fair. That is a very good point. Or whoever pops up out of nowhere and, and climbs the draft boards. <laughs> that is That is a very good point, sir. That is a very good point. But. All right, cool. So that'll do it for me and the NFC. So we're now going to head on over to the AFC East now as well, too. And this one, uh, you know what, Kelsey? I, I want to let you go ahead and go first on this one because there's, it feels like we're there's a consensus for one, but two through th- two, three, and four is where it gets really, really interesting. It does get really, really interesting. So I'm going to start at the bottom and work my way up just because that's what I'd always mm. do. And I'm sitting at the bottom looking at this team, wondering what they're going to do for their offensive coordinator, and that is the Patriots. Four and 13 is where I have them going because you cannot win a game if you do not know what you're doing on offense. And I'm sorry, but the mad genius himself has gone and put himself in a corner where it's either his son or Matt Patricia who led a one-win Detroit Lions team a few years ago. So I I don't think there's a single soul in in New England right now that knows how to run a proper offense for Mac Jones. And I feel so bad for every one of these offensive players for New England, and I, it just doesn't look good. Their defense still looks fine, although you did lose JC in the backside. You didn't really do anything to get better, better. And by the way, you wasted your first round draft pick on Cole Strange. It was definitely a strange pick to say the least. So you yeah. think Mac Jones alone is basically giving him four wins? Is that what I'm hearing? No, I'm saying Matthew Judon's red sleeves are giving him four wins at this point in time. You're saying Mac Jones can't secure you one win, even despite all of their tomfoolery. Who's he throwing the ball to? His best, his only option is to go off and get a hundred yard games from Jonu Smith and Hunter Henry because his receiving core is trash right now. 
Like hey, Tyquan Thornton runs a four two one. He might just Tyquan Thornton run away is from it. <laughs> that is it. Like that is that is it right now. I mean, look, uh, Parker's not even doing well right now, and and that's. I mean, can he get even stay healthy long enough to play this whole season? Uh, you know, the rest of the the rest of the receivers are a bunch of guys I can't even name, and and it's just. Look, it's worked before for the Patriots. I don't know how they do it, but it's not going to work this season. I think this is the one where you bit off too much in the offseason, and, and wild Bill Belichick has just gotten a little too wild and a little too senile in his old age. And I think this is this is where it's the limit. This is where he he gave away his cookies last season, and instead of trying to rebuild, he was like, let's do it again, except for crazier. And this is what we get. All right. I, wow. The mad genius and bad times in Boston to come. My goodness. All right. Oh, well, they'll I... be fine. Boston is fine without winning a championship <laughs> for one year. They will, they can live bad times in football, Boston. Then we'll leave word it that way. Bad times in football, Boston. So, all right. You know what? That's a t- tough to follow that one up. But who do you have at number three now? So, number three with a vastly superior record, I have the Cougar Hunter team himself, the Jets. Barring this injury, now this is bar, barring how bad Zach Wilson's injury actually is. Obviously, they're going in and clean. They went went in and cleaned it up on Monday. How bad did it really turn out to be? Is the question. Um, how much longer is he going to miss? Is he going to be back by week three? As long as he's back by week three, I feel like this is still a strong possibility. But I have the Jets finishing nine and eight. Ooh. And a big part of this is what you did in the off season. Everything they did. Again, we talked about it last year. You had to kill your draft last year. They killed it. This year, you had to kill your draft this year. Damn near killed it. <laughs> I mean, two years in a row of great drafts. Robert Sala finally has a full team. Granted, Mechie Becton it, with the injury withholding, and then Zach Wilson, obviously, his injury withholding. Uh, the rest of this team looks damn good. Uh, Corey Davis, Garrett Wilson, CJ Uzoma at tight end, Brees Hall coming in at running back. That's not to forget. Let's not forget Michael Carter is still a guy that can go run the ball and carry the rock for a good 800 yards if you need him to. I mean, he might even break 1,000 if you really needed him to. Uh, Elijah Vera Tucker is still a fantastic piece. This defense has gotten stronger. I, I, I think this Jets team does look good, and they're almost there. Uh, I was Obviously, the whole offseason thing with Zach Wilson is hilarious in, in so many ways. Um, just... Yeah, it's just, it's just, I mean, you go from the draft day to, to now he's a cougar hunter, and, and it's just like, all right, well, hold on. Hold on, Zach. What are, you, what are you doing here? You're growing up too fast in front of our eyes. What if he was um, a cougar hunter before he got drafted? What if it just came out into the open now? Man, he knows Stacey's how to play mom dumb. mom has got it going on. He knows how to play dumb really well. Hmm. Uh, but, yeah, so I just, uh, you know, it, I just I think the Jets are, are not far away from it, and I think this is an opportunity if everybody stays healthy to go 9-8. and eight. Obviously, this was before the Becton injury that I made this prediction. This is before the Zach Wilson injury. So barring how well, how obviously the Zach Wilson injury, if you can come back from it, and obviously I'm not expecting Beckham to come back in the season, but how well they fill that hole, very large hole, we'll have to wait and see. But they did bring in a very experienced, very solid offensive lineman to fill in that Mechie Beckham hole. So that's that's fine. Uh, but Zach Wilson is going to be the wait and see for me um, if this can actually hold true. Very interesting. So the Jets bouncing back and taking off a little bit as well, too. So you have them in nine and eight. So this leaves you might have a couple of double digit win teams here on the horizon because you did not mention yeah. the word tiebreaker yet. No, I have not. No, there is no tiebreaker in this division, thankfully. Uh, but number two, I have the Dolphins, the Tyreek Hill Dolphins at 10 and seven uh, Tua and this team absolutely explode on the scene this year. 
I think you bring in you bring in the OC from San Francisco, make him your head coach, and oh, guess what? He knows how to drop some fun things. And Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle are the perfect toys for his offense. <laughs> I mean, I hate to say it any other way. You add in Raheem Mostert too to this offense if he can stay healthy. This offense is absolutely going to be cooking. Mike Kosicki as a just a stand up in the end zone, go get yourself to the first down and put your back to the defense situation. Old Jason Witten, if you will. He made a whole career out of it. Why not do it with Mike Kosicki, who is even taller and stronger, and Tua could just throw it to him. I think it's an absolute opportunity there. And, again, this defense is still a fantastic cover two defense. There is no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It's can they can, can they be able to switch between that cover two to different looks occasionally, or can they hide that cover two well enough like the old Bears used to do to fool some quarterbacks? That's going to be the decide. They, they can't play it simple anymore. They're going to have to actually mix up some things. But they're still fantastic cover two defense. There's no question about it. Um, so, yeah, give me the, the Dolphins here, 10 and 7. I think there's a lot of opportunity there that they could even do better. Interesting. All right, the Dolphins bouncing back. So in a Tua, we trust, or at least Tua and Tua, we trust enough. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just enough. Just enough. Look, I think they figured it out. You know what? He's a, cur- he's a curls type of guy. He can throw it up occasionally. They'll figure it out. They, they uh, but, on there. Yeah, but that leads me to my number one pick. Uh, the Dolph- or the Bills, sorry, <laughs> 13 and 4. One of the best teams in the league. Oh, and by the way, they're still not the top of the, the AFC mm. at 13 and four. Um, but they do just absolutely dominate most of the season. They look fantastic. At one point in time, I had them seven and zero in this season. Oh, wow. Um, and before losing. So I think they look good. I think their running back finally figures it out. I think their running back core finally figures it out. It's going to be one of them is going to figure it out between Zach Moss, Devin Singletary, and James Cook. One of them is going to figure it out. And it wouldn't surprise me actually if it's actually Zach Moss that figures it out. With Devin Singletary looked fantastic at the end of last season with Devin Singletary sprinkling himself in there. And James Cook obviously out of the backfield is going to be fantastic. Let's not forget Gabriel Davis's appearance in the playoffs to like, hey, I'm here if you didn't know. And he's <laughs> already been here, but now he's here here. So it's going to be fun to, fun to watch. And this defense just keeps getting better. You add Von Miller. I, I don't see why this Bills team can't finish 13-4 and four easily. Okay, so. yeah, that's – all right, so the Bills are rolling at the top of the division. My quick question for you is, how many rushing touchdowns do you think Josh Allen gets this year since the running back core phase that? Do you still think he gets close to double digits? Or do you think they reel it in where he just has like maybe three or four? He's so wild at it. Like, it's so wild when he's in the pocket. He, honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if he gets seven. Like, <laughs> five of them are going to be from just scrambling. Two of them are going to be actual quarterback designs. But yeah, like, he's just, he's dynamic in the pocket. And that's something that you can't address. You, you already have to worry about four, like, three receivers and Dawson Knox. And then the running back out of the backfield, you're like, crap, what do I do here? Oh, by the way, Josh Allen is scrambling for seven yards and a touchdown. Oh, great. Okay, well, didn't expect that one, you know? Like, what do I do here? So, oh, yeah, great. The only one. thing staying between him and the end zone is a five foot eight corner, and Josh Arlon didn't run him over. He jumped over him. Oh, now he's leapfrogging. Oh, great. What, how do we stop this? Exactly. But yeah, so that's why I have the Bills taking the division, which just a quick recap AFC East for me. Starting at the bottom, Patriots four and 13, Jets nine and eight. Dolphins ten and seven, and the Bills thirteen and four. All right, so we got some beasts and some lease in the AFC East. So I'm going to go ahead and cruise through mine really quickly as well because it's going to be tough to follow that one up. For me, at the bottom, I have the Jets sitting at six and eleven. I did take a game off after the Beckton injury as well. Same with the Zach Wilson one. They are right there. If they were in, there's a handful of other. If you put them in the NFC East, that might give them nine to ten wins as well. Too honestly, I just. Dealing with the Bills twice and a couple of these other teams they have to play, it's going to be a little bit rough just going down the stretch. But they, as you mentioned, are so, so, so close. And if Zach Wilson could just have stayed healthy and maybe take that next step, maybe it changes as well too. But 
It's a young offensive line. Sauce, they were the 32nd ranked defense last year. I feel safe in saying they're not going to be 32nd ranked this year, bringing in Sauce Gardner and some of those other guys. So I think that alone is going to help. They're they're so close, but just put them in the NFC, they might be a playoff team this year if everything, mm-hmm. everyone's able to stay healthy or bounce back quickly. So Jets uh, a little bit behind you, but I, I, I see the sentiment. I am also high on them as well, too. They just have a little bit farther to go. Now, looking at the Patriots, I have them as eight and nine for some similar reasons as you two. I don't know who your offensive coordinator is. Your receiving core is okay. I mean, Kendrick Bourne is okay. Devontae Parker's looked pretty good, but can he stay healthy? Hunter Henry, Jonu Smith, that's nice, but they could. They had trouble staying healthy at the same time last year. Damian Harris was awesome, and you're already trying to bench him for Ramondre Stevens. Like, you're yeah. treating him like he's Jonas Gray all of a sudden. Your offensive line, you got rid of Shaq Mason and sent him to Tampa Bay. You brought in Cole Strange, who's a decent player, but not someone you need to take at that pick. Defensively, you have not gotten better. You can't lose J.C. Jackson and not replace him. They did not replace him. So I don't – it's basically Matthew Judon's red sleeves and Mac Jones just efficiently pulling something out of his you-know-what that I think would get them wins. But it's going to be – I think it's going to be a rough season. It's going to look like 8-9. They just – they didn't do enough to improve that I can see. There might be something I can't see. Maybe Tyquan Thornton is Tyreek Hill 2.0 and I'm missing it. I don't know. But there's a there's a lot of work to be done there. So give me the Patriots at 8-9, third in the division – it's going to be a little bit of a rough one. I think there are going to be some high points, but I'm not. It's it's going to be rough by the looks of it. Until you, you have, have much, somebody that can call the plays, you have much more faith in the Sith leader than I do. I that's not even faith. <laughs> like at this point, I'm just like, well, it, something's going to happen, right? That's fair. That's fair. I, I like I like what I saw from Mac Jones. So I gave him a little bit more credit too. Even with, I think he'll overcome some of the just mess of offensive coordinatorness that they have. I think you'll be able to make up for some of that. Not enough of it to make them viable, but enough to steal some wins over some equal teams or equal or worse teams as well, too. Like you'll be able to cancel out in small effect. He's limited, but he knows that. And he doesn't try to, he doesn't try to Josh Allen. He just, he does what he does. It's, I'm not gonna say Tom Brady-esque because that's too cliche, but you know what I mean? Like he doesn't go outside of himself and that will keep, keep in a lot of games. Like he doesn't, he doesn't try to throw it with his left hand while he's fading away or something like that. He sticks with what he does. So, Get, I think I don't think he's ever going to be elite, like elite, elite, like top five. But I think he can always hover in that top ten ish range somewhere in there at his peak. So I think this is where we see a little bit from. Anyway, moving on to number two, like you, I like the Dolphins a lot, and I have them at eleven and six. I think two is if he stays healthy, which I think he will. People are, keep talking about like, oh, he's going to underthrow, he's going to be missing Tyree. Tyree's going to have to stop and fair catches deep balls. Tua throws a pretty decent deep ball. Those are usually about timing, honestly, more than just arm strength. I mean. It's not usually who can throw it the farthest. It's who throws it at the right time, depending on the leverage of the receiver. It's not always just a track meet. Just because Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen can do that with Stephon Diggs and when Tyreek Hill was there, that's not common. That's not the norm. That's not to be expected. Just because Justin Herbert throws a 65 yards at the end of a half while getting hit, that's not normal. We can't compare him to not normal. You get him to throw that one, two, three, like that five-step, take a hitch and let it fly, he'll get that ball 50, 50 60 yards for Tyreek to run under. Let's not forget Tyreek didn't even do that much last year either. He had one catch over, he had one touchdown that was over 30 yards in the air. The rest of it was he threw it underneath and he galloped. He even said in an interview like that one he had against the Bills where he caught a 10-yard dig route and ran 70 yards in, in crunch time. Two was going to hit that dig route. And by the way, if you double team Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle had 101 catches last year and he's just as fast as Tyreek Hill. He, is, he showed the ability to be a receiver, not a burner. In case mm-hmm. there's any doubt about it, anyone who watched him in college knew better, but people forget things, so... Jalen Waddle also another guy. Look for him to have another breakout type of year as well, too. Gasicki over the middle. You talked about Mike McDaniel coming from San Francisco. He's going to look him back. You could be 50% of George Kittle. We'll make this work. 
We and then Raheem Mostert, Sony Michelle, Teron Armstead on the offensive line too. This offense is going to be dynamic. It is going to be fun. It's going to be explosive. It's going to get the Dolphins eleven wins. Which spoiler alert, they're going to be the first team that doesn't make the playoffs. They're going to be the first team out for me in the AFC. They missed it because they just missed it by basically a tiebreaker. So Dolphins going to be fantastic. You put them in the NFC, they're a top three seed probably, top four, top four seed. Then at number one, to nobody's surprise, out of the Buffalo Bills last year, they were one of the two best teams in the AFC, top two, three teams. And then you add Von Miller. You add James Cook, who I think is going to be outstanding. Gabriel Davis is there. You got rid of Cole Beasley. He just he wasn't giving you much of a shot anyway, so you'll be fine without him. Dawson Knox, OJ Howard, there. That team's loaded. The Bills are absolutely. There's no reason for them to lose to lose more than four games. Like I feel like 13 of floor is their floor, and that's kind of where I have them at as well, too, barring injuries or anything like that. We saw their second team unit putting some of the Colts receivers in a hell defensively, like Kyrie Elam and squad. So there's a lot of talent on this team, and the question is, can you get it all on the field? So give me the Bills dominating once again as well. Not the number one seed for me either. We'll talk more about that coming up, coming up as well, too, if you've been keeping track. Well, in our final episode, we can go over playoff positioning. But real quick recap of the AFC East for me. I got the Jets at 6-11 and 11, bringing up the rear. We got the Patriots at 8-9, and nine, a little bit of a step back this year at Mac Jones' sophomore's campaign. The Dolphins ascending with their new additions in the offseason and new head coach, bringing them to 11-6 and six and being an offensive powerhouse. And then at number one, we got the dynamic, loaded, unbel- unstoppable-feeling Death Star Bills at 13-4, and four, wreaking havoc on everybody who stands in their way. So that's what I have for the AFC East. Nice. Okay, so I have an interesting question for you just because it got brought up during training camps. Uh, Stephon Diggs versus Trayvon Diggs. They get matched up in the Super Bowl. What's the result? Stephon Diggs, Super Bowl MVP. I mean, shoot. <laughs> so you're, like, you're leaning towards the Josh Allen, 101 or 110, three, three tuds? Something like that. Yeah. Like, I feel like I, if Josh Allen give him the chance that Stephon will, the question is, is Gabriel Davis somebody else so wide open that Josh Allen can't just try it? Can't wait, can bother trying if that makes sense. Like, if he tries Stephon, get, Stephon's going to win that often. Question is, does somebody else get cooked so bad that, it, that he doesn't even look that way? Like, we saw Gabriel Davis do the Chiefs last year when they double teamed Stephon Diggs all day. So if it's one on ones, Stephon Diggs might have Super Bowl MVP aspirations. Hey, there you go. Uh, I'm always curious. Uh, I had to ask just because we had, we had such a great debate about it. Uh, in the I feel like you're leaning the same way in that case, though. Oh, 100%. Yeah, Stephon Diggs <laughs> takes that one like easy. Easy. He might even put up 200 yards. Like uh, It's going to be an easy day in, in the park for Stephon Diggs. Like, Trayvon Diggs might get a pick after he's been burned 10 times. <laughs> After, right. after like seven catches later, he gets one pick where Allen just says screw it and tries to throw 80 yards and it falls at 75. Exactly. That is exactly right. So, yeah, that's 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 my picks there. All right. Uh-huh. So now, as always, DJ, we like to have a little bit of fun here at the end. Now, we've, we've given you predictions for the final standings. But now, what about our breakout uh, fantasy stars? How's that sound? You know what? Let's talk a little bit of fantasy. What we're going to do is we're going to go for each team. We're going to give one standout fantasy player. We're going to look this year. Some of them will be surprises. Some of them will be, well, no-ish or Sherlock. Of course, he's going to break out. It all depends on what we're feeling as well, too. As we get into that, we want to give a big shout-out to our friends over at Run Your Pool as well, too. One of our wonderful sponsors. Have you ever done a survivor pool? Survivor pool? You pick a team each week. If they win, you move on, but you can't pick them again. If you lose, you are out. Click the link in our bio. Join our pool. We'll be giving away some nice prizes at the end of the year to whoever survives the longest. Spoiler, it's going to be me. But if you can survive till the end, you'll be eligible for some quality prizes, and it's free. All you have to do is literally click in and sign up. It's easier to do that than it is to even sign up for Facebook. So go ahead and join us for our Run Your Pool. And you know what? I'm going to go ahead and get started. We're going to cruise through this one really quickly with these fancy players. I'm going to start in the AFC East since we just mentioned them. For the Bills, 
Give me OJ Howard. I think he's going to have a just weirdly effective touchdown production playing opposite Dawson Knoxon in that red zone as well, too, just because there's so many weapons. For the Dolphins, there's the obvious ones. I'm going to go with Raheem Mostert. I think just those that weird ability while all the safeties back off chasing Tyreek and Jalen, he'll be there to catch dump-offs and with his 4-3 speed. We've seen what, when he's healthy, he's outstanding. The last play I really remember him when he's at the Niners was against the Jets. He ran for an 80-yard screen pass touchdown. Electric <laughs> dynamic brings him another element. It's insane. Patriots, I'm going with Mac Jones because I really don't know who else to go with. I need everyone else to stay healthy, and it's a mess. And I think as a quarter, if you get Mac Jones at like a late pick as your QB2 that could substitute a QB1, he can give you some really good fantasy production just, just from being effective. Then for the Jets, I'm going to go with Breeze Hall. It's the obvious one. All dynasty leagues are looking to take a number one overall. They're trading the they're trading the farm to get it. He's their workhorse back. Michael Carter's really nice. I think Breeze Hall's going to take the job from him. If not right away during the season, he's a dynamic three-down back. He can do it all. So that's what I'm looking at for AFC East fantasy players to watch. I like it. I like it. Uh, so I'm going to go – for me, I'm going to look at – Zach Moss at the for the Bills. Like, that's my number one. I think, again, looking at a running back, going to figure it out. Zach Moss looked good before he got injured last year. I think he continues that. And maybe he's just a goal line back, but he might still get you 12 touchdowns. Uh, you can't complain with that. Like, a guy, a goal line back that gets you above eight touchdowns, you're just like, oh, okay, this is plus territory. But I think Zach Moss is good enough to get even more than that, just break a couple from 20-plus and, and get in. Um, looking at the Dolphins, I'm going to go the Penguin himself, Jalen Waddle. I mean, I think it's just too easy not to pick him. And like at this point in time, like he already put up 101, 101 catches last year. He's getting into an offense that's going to be even more conducive for his skill set. And again, let's not forget this dude never tested his 40. We don't know how fast he really is because he had a plate in his foot. He played most of last season still with that plate in his foot. It got removed in the offseason, so he's good now. Like he's fully healthy. Like we, I still think people don't realize like he played last season not fully healthy. This season, he is 100 well, as 100% as you get in the NFL. So it'll be fun to watch. Uh, give me the Jets. I'm going Garrett Wilson. Uh, again, going sticking with a receiver that's going to look fantastic. Obviously, I could have gone Corey Davis here because he's the safety net for Zach Wilson. But I think Garrett Wilson and Zach Wilson are going to have that Wilson combo. Um, you know, Wilson squared, if you will. <laughs> so I think it'll be a fun one to watch. And for the Patriots, you talked about Mac Jones. Well, Mac Jones has to throw the ball to somebody. And that somebody, if he can stay healthy, is Johnny Smith for me. I think Johnny Smith is an, an asset that is underused. He's athletic. He can stretch the field. And probably one of the few guys outside of Tyquan Thornton that can run by some people. So get him the ball and let's see what he can do um, in, in this New England offense, if whoever the offensive coordinator is. I like it. I like that you said Garrett Wilson because I think Garrett Wilson, you know who comes to mind for me? Stephon Diggs. I feel like he is a Stephon Diggs, like a, a, a remake of Stephon Diggs, if you will. I think that's a very good skill, and I think that's a good place for him as well too. So I like that pick as well. Jumping over to the NFC East now for my fantasy players to watch. We'll cruise through these ones. Sorry at the bottom for the Giants. Not a lot to like, but I'm going to go with Wandale Robinson because I think you can get him late. And I think he, they're going to use it. I think Dabble's going to use him in a lot of different ways. Handing the ball to him, flicking it to him in the flats. He's just going to be a primary guy that touches the ball outside of Saquon Barkley. For the Commanders, I love Jahan Dotson, but I'm worried Carson Wentz is going to force it to Terry McLaurin for better and for worse. It's going to be great for Terry McLaurin fantasy owners. Rough for the Commanders. At number three for the Cowboys, I'm not even going to – it's Tony Pollard for me. You can get him as a running back, too, and he can put up running back one-like numbers. And if the Cowboys do what you say and they turn Zeke into a goal line back and make Tony Pollard the main guy, you got yourself a steal there. Then for the Eagles, I've been hammering it all home, and I'm probably going to end up dying on this hill, and I'm going to get made fun of for it. Devontae Smith is going to break out, and he's your guy. If you can catch him in that sixth, seventh round, he's going to – he can put up receiver one type of numbers as well, too. Not number one overall receiver, but like a top receiver on your team that can win. So give me Devontae Smith. 
for the Eagles as their leading receiver and potentially yours too. I like it. I respect it. Um, if he stays healthy. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, you got you got to stay healthy. So for me, I'm gonna start at the bottom, work my way up as well. Giants, I'm going with the guy we talked about. He just drops the ball. You can't continue to drop the ball. So if he can catch the ball, hmm. he is a top target. And honestly, that's been his biggest issue is just a couple of these wide open balls that he just drops. Um, that's Darius Slayton. So give me Darius Slayton. I think whether he stays a Giant or he goes somewhere else, I think he's an asset to have because he will catch the ball this season. Um, at number three, give me for the Commanders. I got their defense. I think their defense is just it's so strong. I have a hard time looking past it. Like, you just look at that front line. They're going to get you sacks. They're going to get you turnovers, especially some strip sacks as well. They did it last year. They did it a year before that. Uh, it's just they've gotten better every year. So I, I, I'm going to stick with that defense. For the Eagles, a guy who I'm, I have a love-hate love, hate relationship with, but I think he has an opportunity to move himself into that top five tight end conversation. For me, he's just not there yet, but he has that opportunity, and that's Dallas Goddard here. I think with all the other weapons they have, Dallas Goddard might be the forgotten man, and he just can eat in the middle of that field. Uh, I think it's going to be an absolute asset for Jalen Hurts. And sticking in that theme, the Cowboys, Dalton Schultz, I think after that career here last year, is going to be looking to have the same type of breakout. You look at the receiving core right now, it's not very healthy, so you got to throw the ball to somebody. And again, Dalton Schultz finds a way to get open, and he's a lot more athletic for a tight end than even anything the Dallas Cowboys have had recently. So... It's definitely something that that could be an asset. So yeah, that's my Cowboys pick for for the for the for, for my my superstar, my my fantasy superstar on the team. All right, I, I like it as well too. So we got some tight ends, we got a nice little mix of players in there. So we appreciate y'all tuning us in, tuning in with us this week as we talk about the beasts and the least of the East. Next week we wrap up the divisions and we talk about the ultra competitive AFC and NFC West. That one should be a very good one with a lot of variable potential options as well too. We look forward to that. Then of course after that. Heading into kickoff, we will be going with our postseason predictions and awards and find out who we think is going to win the Super Bowl as well, too. Two years ago, Kelsey got both participants correct. Last year, DJ got the winner correct and missed the participant by over the two participants by overtime. So might, maybe maybe we get something out that makes you want to throw a few dollars here and there as well, too. I'm just saying. But that'll do it for us this week as well, too. We appreciate you all tuning in. We'll see you guys next week. Don't let being treated for pain be a pain. Come to Downtown's Healthcare, 950 17th Street in Denver. Find out how to reduce pain naturally without surgery, without drugs. Call Downtown's Healthcare, 303-292-9992. Now in Lowry or downtown. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.